Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon Podcasts. I'm Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be regarding 2 Nephi chapter 12. Now, as I mentioned before, we're now getting into the Isaiah chapters. This is also the same as Isaiah chapter 2. And just a little brief introduction to these Isaiah chapters. First of all, Isaiah often covers uh, the topic of the scattering of Israel, the gathering of Israel, the millennium, and prophecies about Jesus Christ. And often he jumps back and forth between these. And so as we get into these Isaiah chapters, keep in mind that that uh, he'll, he'll be mostly talking about those basic topics. Anytime a prophet quotes another prophet, they're applying the law of witnesses here. And so as Nephi is quoting from Isaiah, uh, then he's, he's employing here the law of witnesses. So this, whenever a prophet quotes another prophet, that's pretty important that we should be paying pretty close attention. Remember again that uh, greater are the words of Isaiah, that the Savior said we should be studying these. So these are really important to understand. All right. Chapter 12, verse 1, and the word of Isaiah, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So again, uh, Jerusalem and Judah, uh, this has to do with the southern kingdom of, of Israel at the time. Um, verse 2, and it shall come to pass in the last day. So now he's telling us the time frame for which this particular revelation is going to be covering. Now, the principal feature between both Zions, the Zion in Jerusalem and the Zion in America, is the temple. And so you're going to see some temple imagery here and temple prophecies. Um, and that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be sitting in his throne rooms, which is the equivalent of our celestial rooms in the temples. Uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 133, verses 12 and 13 says, Let them, therefore, who are among the Gentiles flee unto Zion, and let them who be of Judah flee unto Jerusalem, unto the mountains of the Lord's house. Speaking about those great temples that will be in both, both those cities. Continuing verse 2. When the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Now there's some interesting things going on here. Um, when Utah was being considered a state in, in the United States, Brigham Young had suggested that the name of the state be called Deseret. But when Congress was uh, going through the approval process, they didn't like that name, and so they looked around at other possibilities, and because the Ute Indians were living in that, in that area, they decided that they would call the name of the state Utah after the Ute Indians. Now, it's interesting that the word Utah, or the word Ute, means people of the mountains or home on mountaintop or higher up. So when Isaiah is prophesying here that it shall be established in the top of the mountains, he's saying, in effect, it will be established in Utah. Isn't that interesting that uh, even though we tried to get the state to be called something else, Congress came up with a different idea. Um, the Lord had a hand in, in naming the state Utah. And uh, those that are paying attention will notice that uh, the temple of the Lord uh, is in Utah. 
So uh, I think that's an interesting idea. The temple represents the highest point on earth, which symbolically connects heaven and earth. It is where God's word is revealed to his prophets. All nations, now notice at the end of this verse here, verse 2 still, all nations shall flow unto it. How can something flow uphill? Well, let's listen to what Joseph Smith said. All nations, which means some people from all nations, shall come to obey the God of all nations and to build the kingdom of God. For something to flow like a river up a mountain, a power greater than gravity must be at work. This power is the power of God and of the temple. So God is helping this work to occur here, and uh, the people are flowing into the kingdom. Verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. The Lord will teach us through revelation given through his prophets and apostles through the scriptures and by way of personal revelation. Specifically, we will learn of God's ways in his temple. Continuing verse 3, And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So in talking about this here, he's mentioning two capitals, one from Zion, which will be America, and the other one from Jerusalem. And in the millennium, the, the, the city of Zion, which will be New Jerusalem in America, will be where the government is governed from, and the headquarters of the church will be in Jerusalem. Um, in the Zion of Jerusalem. And so that's what he's talking about here. The word of the Lord, the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord or the church headquarters will be in Jerusalem. And both of them will have great temples that will be, that will be there as the symbol of their capital. Verse four, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Obviously, this is a millennial uh, prophecy here. He's talking about the peace that will be there during the, during the millennium. Joseph Smith said, there will be wicked men on the earth during the thousand years, the heathen nations who will not come up to worship and be visited with the judgments of God and must eventually be destroyed from the earth. So there will still be some wickedness, but it won't be because Satan's tempting him. It will be just because of agency. Um, President Hinckley, in speaking about wars and preparing for wars, said, Give me the money that has been spent on war, and I will clothe every man, woman, and child in an attire of which kings and queens would be proud. I will build a schoolhouse in every valley over the whole earth. I will crown every hillside with a place of worship consecrated to the gospel of peace. And so as we spend our money on, on weapons and defense, we could have been spending it on lots of other things that would be much better for, for the world. Uh, verse 5, now Isaiah switches back to his own time. He says, O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Yea, come, for ye have all gone astray, every one to his wicked ways. And then verse 6 is a prayer. He says, Therefore, o, o God, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob. And then he's listing their sins here. Because they be replenished from the east. In other words, they're looking to Assyria and their, God, and their gods for religion and hearken unto soothsayers or false prophets like the Philistines, and they please. And the word please in Hebrew in this context has to do with clasping hands or to participate and make covenants in apostate temple systems with those who are not affiliated with the true Israelite temple. It also means that they should not intermarry with those who do not belong to the covenant of Israel, uh, who please themselves in the children of strangers. In other words, they're making covenants with uh, Gentiles that they shouldn't be making. 
Their land also is full of silver and gold. In other words, the people are wealthy and materialistic and did not seek God first. Neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end of their chariots. And here he's talking again about weapons of war. Uh, horses and chariots are the symbols of, of uh, warfare. Verse 8, their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean, or poor man, boweth not down, and the great man humbleth himself not. Therefore, forgive them not. Not worshiping the true God, Isaiah has testified against Israel, and now, according to the custom of the court, the judge will deliver his sentence. In this case, the judgment will be delivered by Jesus Christ during the day of Jehovah. Verse 10, uh, the events that will accompany the second coming will be dreadful for the wicked and the proud and haughty. They will be brought down in, into the dust through the power, might, and glory of Jesus Christ, and God alone will be exalted. Uh, reading now from verse 10, O ye wicked ones, enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord, and the glory of his majesty shall smite thee. So he's telling the wicked here that they're going to have to try to hide, but hiding isn't going to save them. And it shall come to pass that the lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts soon cometh upon all nations, yea, upon everyone, yea, upon the proud and lofty, and upon everyone who is lifted up, he shall, and he shall be brought low. Verse 13, Yea, and the day of the Lord shall come upon all the cedars of Lebanon, for they are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan. Now, symbolically, in the scriptures, uh, consistently use trees to represent men. Green trees are usually righteous people, and dry trees represent the wicked. Oaks and cedars are like proud people, who, Isaiah informs us, are high and lifted up, and the day of the Lord shall come upon them too. Uh, verse 14, And upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills, and upon all the nations, which are lifted up, uh, and he's talking here also about false temple systems. Verse 15, and upon every people, and upon every high tower, and upon every fenced wall. In other words, men are trying to protect themselves by having walls, and those are just not going to help them in this time. Verse 16, and upon all the ships of the sea, and upon all the ships <clears throat> of Tarshish, upon all pleasant pictures. Now, pleasant pictures is also um, translated as pleasure crafts, but it's also, <clears throat> a pleasant pictures also refers to the standard <clears throat> or the figure heads on ships. You know how on, on big sailing ships they have the, the figures in the front. That's what they're talking about here, the pleasant pictures. Now, Tarshish was considered to be uh, the utmost part of uh, of the world at the time, as far as Israel was concerned, and it was a place believed to be in Spain. So this was kind of the utmost, furthest west that they could go, and that the, the ships were very renowned for their strength and ability to successfully complete long voyages. And so he's saying that even those aren't going to help them. Verse 17, <clears throat> And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes in the, of the rocks and into the caves of the earth, for fear of the Lord shall come upon them, and the glory of his majesty shall smite them when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. And so this is uh, the destruction that will occur 
prior to and at the second coming. Verse 20, in that day, meaning the second coming, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which he hath made for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts, <clears throat> clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord. Shall come upon them, and his ma and the majesty of his glory shall smite them, when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. See she from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for where, wherein is he a, uh, wherein is he to be accounted of? In other words, don't trust in the arm of flesh. And here Isaiah is showing us that all these things that we've been doing to uh, to worship idols, to all these things that we think we're we're so smart. Uh, at the second coming, we're going to realize that we've made a big mistake. So it's better to be humble now, to be uh, obedient to the commandments so that when the second coming happens, for us it's a great day and not a terrible day. I bear testimony of the truth of the, of the gospel and especially of the Book of Mormon. And uh, that as we study Isaiah, that we'll gain a better understanding of his words uh, through the prophets. And this I say in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope to see you next time. If you like this, share it. Thank you.